Chapter Thirty of Some Everyday Folk and Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas, Melbourne, Australia. Some Everyday Folk and Dawn by Miles Franklin. Chapter Thirty. For further particulars, consult the New Noon Advertiser of that date. That was a grand wedding celebrated in New Noon ere the orange blossoms had turned into oranges but for details it would be better to refer to that most reliable little journal the new noon advertiser only a few particulars remain in my mind but the paper published a full account including a minute description of the bride's gown and a careful list of the presents it was much to the horror of ernest that the latter was inserted but it would have been much more horrible to grandma clay had the mention of so much as a jam spoon been omitted so he consoled himself with the reflection that it was only in the new noon advertiser and took care to keep the list out of the account which appeared in the sydney dailies the curious by consulting a back number of the little country sheet may learn that mrs l whitcomb nay carrie the ex-lady help gave the bride one of many pairs of shadow-work pillow-shams and that miss grosvenor contributed one of the equally numerous drawn thread table centres mrs bray presented a ribbon-work cushion dr smelly some of the jam-spoons andrew a bread-fork and mr j sorrel great-uncle of the bride a silver cream jug while mr claude alias dora uward kept himself in mind by an afternoon tea-set the complete list took a column and included dozens of magnificent articles from sporting associations and chums of the bridegroom the bride a glorious vision in duchess satin and accessories in keeping and with real orange blossoms in hair corsage and train the proud shyness of the gentle and stalwart groom standing beside her and the brave old grandmother drawn up a little in the rear formed a picture i shall never forget the old lady performed her office with flashing eyes a steady voice and an individuality which none could despise or overlook excepting her grandmother dawn was unattended and as the young couple came down the aisle by previous request of the bride i had the honour of accompanying the old lady from the church and she said as we drove away over the scattered rose petals to be in readiness to receive the guests i've done it give me little girl away and without misgivings for if she's as happy as i was she'll do when the time was here there was some patches of me life wasn't too soft but looking back i would marry jim clay over again if i could the caterpillars that had been eating the grapevines and giving Andrew exercise as destroyer had turned into millions of white butterflies that flecked the gold sunlight like a vast flotilla of miniature aerial yachts and enhanced the splendour of that balmy wedding day. It was the month of roses, and intertwined with jasmine and mignonette, they formed the chief decorations in the roomy marquee erected for the breakfast under the big old cedars overlooking the river. All Nunu nights of any importance sat down to the repast and their names from that of mrs bray to mrs dr tinker are recorded in the new noon advertiser the last mentioned lady did not exhibit any of her famous characteristics at the function further than to use a gorgeous fan she carried in wrapping her husband over the knuckles every time his attention wandered from her remarks the toasts were many and long and it fell to dora uward to respond to that of the ladies since the announcement of dawn's engagement to ernest dora had frequently been seen out driving with ada grosvenor and he paid her marked attention at the wedding but this was private not public information after i had helped dawn into her travelling dress i had a few words apart with ernest while grandma clay bade a private good-bye to his wife well 
he said with self-contained and pardonable triumph. I've won her, in spite of that dish of water. Yes, we three have accomplished our desire. What three? Mr. and Mrs. R. E. Breslaw and myself. Oh, was it your desire too? He said with a happy laugh. The bride now appeared, and wringing my hand, she said, You'll come to us when we return. He stepped forward to place her in the carriage that took them to the railway. The paper had better be again consulted for an accurate account of the confetti pelting and other customary happenings that took place at the station. These details, and the real greatness of Dawn's match, and her aristocratic relatives, who, as often suspected, had not proved to be only a myth, were the chief theme of the conversation for many days. All the engines in the sheds at the time, and whose music had lulled me to sleep nights, blew the bride a royal fanfare as she entered the first, engaged, and further cock-a-doodle-dood good luck as the train steamed out. Most keenly of all, I remember that it was piteously lonely, and as dreary as though the sun had lost its power, when the panting engine had climbed the hill from the sleepy little town, and dropped out of hearing on the downgrade from the old valley of ripening peach and apricot bearing the girl for ever away from the slow, meandering grooves of life of which her vigorous young soul was weary. A meeting of the municipal council claimed Uncle Jack that night. Andrew went over to discuss the situation with Jack Bray, and the loneliness of the old dining-room was insupportable to Grandma and me. Joy and beauty seemed to have fled from the scented nights beside the river. Even the whistle and rush of the trains breathed a forlorn note to my bereaved fancy and there was a tear in grandma's eye as she said well she's really gone for altogether she that i helped into the world and reared with my own hand and named after the dawn in which she came that's the order of life it's always the same you can't keep any one for always i couldn't bear it here now it seems as if everything in life was done and there's no need for me to stay if ernest puts andrew in the way of this electrical engineering he's so mad for jake can board somewhere he don't care about things so much. I'll go to Dawn. Thank God she wants me, and I've got plenty to take me away if she gets tired of me, as young folks often do of the old, which is only natural after all. I can sell or let the place, and when I'm gone, it'll be enough for Dawn if ever she's through on the world like I was. Everything seems fair with her now, but this is a life of ups and downs, and there's no telling what may happen. L'Envoy what interest can there be in a play after the knight has settled affairs with the lady, or in the story-book when the heroine and hero have gone on a honeymoon, preparatory to living happily ever after? And that is what befell my tale in Noonoon. I listen no more to the splendid music of the locomotives as they roar across the queer old bridge, nor watch the red light flashing from their coaling doors as they climb the blue mountain ascent and fire as they go. Their far-carrying rumble has been succeeded by the more thunderous voice of the sea on the rock-walled coast of my native land. Four months have elapsed since the wedding in Noonoon, yet Ernest is still content to let his athletic ambitions remain in abeyance while he squanders his time in the sweet dalliance of love. Squander, I say, but on reviewing the expired years, how sanely sweet the youthful hours we dallied shine from amid the years we toiled, fumed, cursed, sweated, and strove to step past our brother in the bootless race for pleasure, opulence, or popularity. Being able to indulge in the insignia of wealth, even without being the good fellow he is, Ernest finds it of little significance that his hair is what fond mothers term auburn, while Dawn's triumphs were assured from the outset 
as mistress of a fine town mansion with good looks with smart ideas of dress and smarter ability to verbally hold her own in any set it goes without saying that her grandmother having kept accommodation is not remembered against her to any harmful extent in everyday life where a large percentage of folks in all cliques have to survive the knowledge of their progenitors having been worse things than irreproachable proprietors and conductors of most exemplary accommodation houses for those who travel as ada grosvenor is not a girl in a book but in everyday life i cannot record that she has married a man worthy of her such a one would have to be a leader of men a prime minister reformer or other prominent worker in the cause of humanity and as these do not abound in the quiet whirlpools of existence i can only hope that she does not drop in for a too impossible noodle as is frequently the fate of noble women dora ewood would have done very well to discharge the clodhopping work of her earthly journey could have made her bread and butter and carried her parcels but if i can depend on andrew's letters which breathe more heavily of generosity than of grammar and gracefulness this eligible and strapping young member of nanoon society has been rejected a second time so that mrs bray's fears that he would be made over conceited by adulation from marriageable girls seems to have been unnecessary nanoon is enshrined in my heart as one of the pleasantest valleys on earth so during enforcedly idle hours it has given me delight to paint its beauty however feebly and to put some of the doings of some of its folk in a story that others might possibly enjoy them too but i put the manuscript aside till as the good country doctor so much esteemed in his circle expresses it i shall have pegged out and the heroine and hero of the plot shall then judge whether it is fit or not for publication it has interested me to write but my life has crept so long on a broken wing that i come to be grateful at last for a little thing and those whose lives are strong fruitful and successful may have no patience with the sentimental meanderings of an old woman who has outlived joy and usefulness and now may the lady of my tale as her life progresses from dawn to noon high noon to afternoon dusk evening and night have the night of her choice and peace always beside her till new dawns break in other worlds beyond this place of fears and phantoms the end End of Some Everyday Folk and Dawn by Miles Franklin